Hi, my name is Jonathan Mann. And I'm Matt Condon. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things and what the heck that means now and in the future. Well, this is the first time that we've actually that we've actually met. Um, yeah, you I know, was going to mention that as well. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's really nice to meet you. You know, um, as soon as I sort of got started in this space, I feel like your Twitter account was one of the first ones that I, that sort of stood out to me as like someone who's at the intersections of of the stuff that that I you know have only I'm assuming relatively recently started to find fascinating. But that's that's sort of the first thing I want to ask you. Um, how how long have you been working with like the NFT stuff? Like where mm-hmm. like where does that begin for you? So I heard about the whole crypto thing pretty much like everyone else um, when the price shot up and I had, I had seen the Bitcoin white paper and not read it and finally kind of realized, Oh, well goodness, I need to go read this now dove in uh, because of the technology and slowly adopted like, uh, or learned about the philosophy behind all of this stuff. Right. Falling down the rabbit hole is what everyone likes to call it. Right. And then a few months after like exploring and working on like protocols and stuff, I realized that the at a high level, what we've figured out with the word blockchain, what it actually gives you is the ability to own something, own a digital thing without a middleman or a middle person. Then, you know, also write code around how to govern that digital thing. It ends up like Covering currencies are just things you digitally own. It covers identity, which is just another thing you digitally own. And it covers, I guess, everything else uh, is kind of the bucket I put it in. Yeah. Um, stuff like art and um, game items and uh, tickets and whatever else you kind of want to tokenize. And so that kind of stood out to me. And then I started working in that direction, trying to figure out like what, what is here. Because philosophically, it's really, really cool. Right to be able to right. own something, to actually own that digital thing, yeah. rather than technically just having someone else allow you to own it, to license it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's I think that's a total a total shift in how we view our digital world. Right. And then what does that manifest itself as in terms of like real things that people can use? And I think that's a uh, I think that's a problem that most of the industry is still working on. Yeah. Well. Well. So let's let's like I want to tell you about my story too. But but yeah. let's but let's just that's sort of the main question of NFTs for me. That it seems like. Um, and I, and uh, by the way, mm-hmm. this is not only because I'm that we're maybe trying to do this podcast together, but I'm I'm with you. I uh-huh. I'm I, I want the I in the word for sure <laughs> very nifty good. and i'll tell you why because i i get the i get the other side i understand the argument you know right. nft is the phrase and so you just do nft and you add but the problem for me is that it smacks too much of like a web 2.0 thing totally. where, we're, where we're leaving totally. out the vowels we're past that totally we're we're you know this is we're let's leave you know let's leave 2008 behind right it's 2018 baby it's 2018 for god's sake so we put the let, vowels in now the, the vowels need to be there so <laughs> it's a perfectly good name who knows if it'll actually yeah um, catch on yeah catch on widely it's very much um uncertain to me um i i, I initially was very against uh yeah. the word nifty i yeah. was like no they are 
non-fungible tokens. Yeah. Um, and then I started kind of approaching it from a more realistic perspective. Yeah. No one, no one in the wider world is ever going to even right. approach any touch with a 10 foot pole, something called the non-fungible token. Exactly. And I yeah. had to like, remember like that I had to learn the word fungible and non-fungible. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know what that meant. I, I, yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I think it's worth any time you're talking about it with anyone, like stating clearly like what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see mm-hmm. if I can do it. Cause I'm not even sure that I know. Sure. Um, all it means basically is like whether you can break something down into smaller pieces. Is that, is that basically? Uh, right? Yeah. That's the defining kind of characteristic. So like a fungible token, you can split, you know, you can split it this way. You can split it that way. But a non fungible token is it's a whole thing. You can only ever transfer the whole thing or it, it totally. exists as a thing unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. I would also throw in that a fungible token or a fungible thing um, each one of those pieces is exactly equal to any of the other pieces. Oh, okay. Um, and non-fungible things generally um, aren't. So like one one non-fungible token can be more valuable or less valuable than a non, another non-fungible token. Totally. And right. it's certainly not a dividing line. For example, um, a lot of, like almost everything actually that I can think of are some combination of fungible and non-fungible. Hmm. Um it's just a matter of how much the non-fungibility matters to people. For example, uh, let's take the dollar bills. All $1 bill is equal to $1 bill. Right. But some of them that are maybe like discontinued or right. um, mint condition or right. a $2 bill or something. Sure. Those are worth more to some people. And right. that's non-fungibility. That's interesting. Um, same thing with Pokemon, for example. One Pikachu is worth any other Pikachu. Unless you start to care about their uh, hidden statistics, their EVs and their IVs, mm-hmm. and now one Pikachu is vastly superior than another Pikachu. Interesting, um, right? Yeah, and even in Bitcoin, um, one Bitcoin is equal to one Bitcoin, except uh, every Bitcoin kind of or every um, UTXO that makes up a Bitcoin um, carries around its history of right. who has had it, right. and so. That. A celebrity owning a particular one might make it more valuable. Totally. Right. Or even in the other case, like a, a Bitcoin that's a result of an exchange hack could be right. blacklisted. Right. Um, and so, Fascinating. I, didn't, I, I never thought about it, but that's really interesting. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of things experience like the stool nature of fungible and non-fungible properties. Um, so it, it gets to be a really interesting way of designing I don't know, whatever sort of assets you're making is because... That, that is actually one of my favorite parts about this whole digital thing is you can just kind of play around with it, right? Right. Like you can... It's very wide open. It's a very, like, uh, it's just the beginning. So literally, you can just try anything, yeah. So much so much potential. I want to I talk about all that stuff. I, the, <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing that I've been really curious at, to, to talk about with you the most is this, this uh, nifty license that the kitties people... They, th- this was from the CryptoKitties people, right? That they released that, that nifty license. Yep, yep, yep. When you come into this space, the first thing that you realize is that, oh, we can own these digital things. And then the second thing you realize is like nobody has any idea what that means. Right. And so this is, I think, I don't know if this is actually the first, it's certainly the first um, maybe widely seen attempt at defining that. Mm-hmm. And you you have a big problem with it. So you want to explain? <laughs> For me, it feels like the, the there there's a huge kind of divide in my mind between things that we digitally owned before blockchain happened and now we have self-sovereignty and then 
the world after that. To me, the, the defining factor is the ability to own something. If we take that and kind of apply what we knew before, which was you're not actually the owner of this, you're a licensee, you have a license to do something with it, whatever that may be. None of the software that you think you own, none of the right. music that you think you own, right. none of the games you think you own, you, you don't own any of it. You right. you you have the, the right to... Exactly. Even yeah. your Facebook account and your, your Twitter account, those are all just kind of lent to you um, right. by Twitter.com. The really interesting part about this is just the ability to actually own something, like own something in the same way that we think about physically owning something. And certainly like I have this cable that I broke earlier. It's mine. There's I'm holding it right now. Right. There's no one allowing me uh, to have it. No one is in charge of telling me what I can and can't do with this cable. If I wanted to use it for commercial purposes, I totally could. Yeah, you could. Um, you could make a video about the cable right. and, and monetize that video. And totally, someone whoever makes this cable, they don't even have a brand name on it. So, Generic Inc. They they haven't felt the need to restrict my ownership because that's just not how we think about physical things. And we're kind of now finally we have the ability to take that mental model of how we own physical things and apply it to digital things. And I think that's really interesting. And now I, I, I don't think it's like a, you know, a catch all, like as in if I own a tokenized song, for example, I should have every right to use it commercially. Right. I don't know if that's, that's certainly not uh, going to work. That's where that does break down for me. And, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you because I do right. think that it's exciting to consider the possibilities in this realm. Right. Um, yeah. But like, you know, if you own a copy of Moby Dick, well, Moby Dick's a bad example. If you own a <laughs> copy of like a new novel, right. Mm -hmm. You know, that not that, and you hold it in your hand, that's yours, right. You can rip pages out of it. You can um, mm -hmm. resell mm -hmm. it. You can burn it. But what you can't do is, um, you know, use it for your own commercial purposes without, the author's permission. And I think that's that's a distinction between the physical book and the I guess the informational content of the book. Right. I'm now, now I haven't thought about this heavily so I don't, I don't know if I'll have a sure. like a straight and narrow. It's a podcast. You don't you don't you don't you, don't, you just think out loud. But yeah, that feels like a distinction on like the information contained. And so I, I again, I don't really have a background in any of this licensing or patents or copyright. But I think it's now it's possible to make information something that you directly own. Mm -hmm. There must be situations or contexts in which that is vastly, uh, vastly better. I mean, like like you mentioned, I, I don't think it would make sense in the case of uh, songs, and certainly, well, it certainly could make sense in the it case could. of songs. Yeah, like, it, 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 it definitely could. You know? Yeah, it depends. It totally depends on the context. If you're making like a game, and the game characters are designed to be uh, collaborative or decentralized, I suppose, if we're mm -hmm. designing this world together. And I think it could make sense for the ownership of the character to be like, whoever owns it owns the character. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not like the artist. Um, that's the, the artist is the artist. Um, but it certainly feels like 
that would be a valuable distinction. I mean, kitties are a great, are sort of the, they're the, they're the first and they're sort of best at this point test mm-hmm. case. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not entirely true. Of course, there's Pepe's and, 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 and punks even, yep. you know, I know yep. um, Matt and John from punks, like it very quickly sort of started to come up against this question, right? With people mm-hmm. that were buying the punks, they wanted to know, can we print the punk that I own onto mm-hmm. a t-shirt? Can I, right. Um, you know, I made a song about crypto punks early mm-hmm. on and, and I, and I featured a bunch of punks in the song and they're like, am I going to get royalties from you feature you? My punk was on your video. Like, right. um, and they tweeted that at, at Larva labs, those guys. And you know, they just like gave like some sort of snarky answer because they didn't, <laughs> because there's no, there's right. no answer actually. There's no precedent for that. Yeah. I know that at one point I saw a talk that they give, they gave where they were working on some kind of, uh, license. And it seemed to me that it, that the thing that they were working on was, was quite a bit more loose, mm. gave quite a bit more leeway to the mm-hmm. owner than crypto kitties. Mm-hmm. You know, now kitties, of course, they're sort of VC backed and they have a lot of like, right. uh, they have a lot of, I, I'm assuming, you know, people to answer to and things like that, which is, uh, you know, to me, it's like what I found in the space in terms of decentralization, mm-hmm. you know, that word, it's like, <laughs> that's important to a lot of people, but by no means is it in, is is it like the number one thing that ev- that everyone totally. in the space cares about? It's like totally. there's a huge range of, and it seems like kitties are definitely on the one far end of mm-hmm. the part of the blockchain that 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 they are representing is that you own the kitty, the kitty is 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 yours forever. Like they can't take the kitty away from you, I guess, right? There's, right. Uh, well. So, they can't take your your kitty jeans away. The from kitty jeans. They the can't bits. take the hash or whatever. The bits, right. right? They could, I guess, take the visual or the video. Yep. Visual could disappear. That is the right. That they explicitly called that out in the Nifty license. Is they have the ability to change the image when they want to. I don't know if this was expressed or implied, but right. you know, if their service goes away. Um, so does the image. Right. And that's that's kind of a fundamental thing that still hasn't really changed with the, the NFTs and everything. Right. If the utility of the token goes away, um, there's not much you can do about that. Right. Um, and, like, and, and, and what do you, what do you, what do you actually own at that point? I guess you own, you own a smart contract on Ethereum or right. a colored token on counterparty or something like that. Right. Um, which I guess isn't that useful. Um, no, I certainly, on its own, yeah. Yeah, I certainly don't want to brag about that to my friends. One of the things that you that I'm sure you've run into when you start explaining to people who have mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. sort of drunk the Kool-Aid, you, you end up getting to that point where you say, right. well, really, actually, what you own is this. And they're like, yeah. well, that doesn't sound very exciting. Like, what, what's right, the totally, point? Totally. And, and, and usually at that point, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I, you know <laughs> I, it's, I find it exciting, you know, for, for my own sort of reasons. But right. how, do you, how do you get someone excited about owning, like, 64 characters on a, or whatever, you know, like. Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's really hard. And inevitably i also um get asked uh well what's to stop someone for from copying and pasting my crypto kitty picture right you know, like there's <laughs> nothing that's that hasn't changed yeah um the way i like to describe it to people is um by making an analogy to art um in the sense that um the mona lisa is right. a great piece of art uh one person or one entity i suppose 
um, owns it, but I still have a copy of the Mona Lisa in my, in my room. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't cheapen the experience for the people who do own it. Mm -hmm. In fact, it might even make it better for them because now I have an attachment to the photo and I want to go see the real thing. Right. The, the value of ownership lies not in owning a copy of something, but in owning the authentic original. Right. At least to, I'd say, a lot of people. Right. That's why, like, fashion brands uh, can charge, you know, rather large prices for their their relatively low marginal cost. And that's right. because it's authentic. They made it. Th- that kind of authenticity is what is what people are after. Um, totally. And and so the thing that the thing that I that I came to too is like, and so this is this was my sort of entry into it was. Um, when I saw CryptoPunks, I, I immediately imagined it like sort of grafted onto my song a day project that mm-hmm. I've been doing for like 10 years. And, um, and that sort of opened up a whole other sort of set of doors in my mind because this metaphor with the Mona Lisa, which is almost exactly the same metaphor that I use, you know, mm-hmm. he's owning a print versus owning a painting mm-hmm. doesn't exist actually really with music. There's no, there's mm-hmm. no exact, um, parallel. Like the closest one that I can really think of is like, owning a limited edition or like, like a, like a, like a factory mess up of a record or something, right. you know, like some, something that's because never has, has there ever been aside from a live music experience. Right. As soon as there's been recorded music, there's been many copies of the recorded music. There's never been one right. authentic copy um, right. of the recorded music. Um, and now there can be, right. this is, this is like a brand new idea that, that when I say, um, when I put song a day number one um, onto, you know, and, and I tokenize it with Ethereum, that is now the canonical, authentic, real version that somebody can own. And just in the same way that, you know, everyone can still see the Mona Lisa, everyone can still listen to it, you could still download it, you could still steal it, rip it, do whatever you want, uh-huh. but you own that copy of that. Right. And that's like literally the first time that that could ever be. Right. And that's um, super, super interesting. Right. Like, right. that's, it's just, it, yeah, it's a paradigm shift in how you experience digital media. Um, and I guess the, the jury is still out on whether or not like this is a fantastic thing or it's just a, <laughs> a thing. Yeah. Um, or, but, and also I'm, I'm really in this, this, this space and I, and part of the reason I want to do this with you is I sense that you are too of like, we care about it um uh and we sort of are excited by the idea of this as a paradigm shift but mm-hmm. is 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 anyone is is anyone right. in any real numbers going to actually care like exactly you yeah. know it's very unclear at this point right i have to preface all of my um kind of debbie downer comments with like i'm totally on board i'm on with board this, yeah exactly like, exactly i am all about this I want everybody to care. Like I want so bad for, you know, to just tweet about it and have everyone be like, Oh my God, that's so, this is blowing my mind. I, this is so cool. Mm. Uh, you have to do a lot of work, a lot of work. And even then at the end of all that work, I've had so many people be like, okay, (laughs) all right. And and some, some people are like, Whoa, that is really cool. Yeah. The reactions you get are all over the place. Yep. I mean, I, I've done the classic uh, explain this to your parents thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they, they were very much in the middle. They were like, yeah. I could see how that could be cool. 
but very obviously we're not sure how it applied to them. I think that's um, one of the largest questions the the whole industry is asking themselves. It's like, do people really care about these things that we fundamentally hold dear? If they do, fantastic. How do we get that into their hands in an approachable way? Yeah. If they don't, how do we uh, take the benefits of these things uh, and give them to people in a way that they do want them? Totally. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that is totally right. I was literally just talking with my wife about that last night. Yeah. Um, because I'm working on this project of like tokenizing all of Song A Day and mm-hmm. giving it a new home called songaday.world, as, as I've talked to you about before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm finding that I'm finding that like, you know, I hired this developer and development, as you know, is expensive. And I had been doing this in a way where I was like doing like something called my my initial song offering, where I was sort of doing a kind of crypto style Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I sort of came to the decision last night that I think I'm going to actually just do a regular Kickstarter yep. to fund the development of the site. Uh-huh. As I was thinking about what the rewards would be, I was thinking like, well, what if I only like glancing mention blockchain mm-hmm. yeah but but one of the rewards is you get to adopt a song oh interesting right and so and so and, and i was explaining this to my wife i was saying oh no so so check this out like the reward would be you know for 25 50 100 whatever dollars you can adopt a song one of so- a song a day song uh-huh, uh-huh and that's your song right and and i don't even have to tell them anything about blockchain right and she was and so but she came back and she was like because she's been living with me talking about this for like the last <laughs> seven months she's like but wait a minute is it even excite is that even like exciting then Do you she's like you have to put the blockchain in right. like she's like it's not it doesn't matter then. Like it's just, it's, it, you know, she's, I think I've, I've gone too hard. I've done too well with her, you know, of like, mm-hmm, of like convincing mm-hmm. her. Um, yeah. And so, and so I'm torn about that because I do think like, what if it is like you just, you're adopting the song. I don't even, and, and in the end, it's sort of exactly what you were saying in the end, they will actually own the song on the blockchain. Like that's, right. that's the goal. But do they have to know that? <laughs> right. You know, do they have to know that right away? And is right. that, is that the best way to like to convince them? That's a big question. Yeah. That's, that's something I, I think, uh, I mean, I've definitely battled with. It's, it's definitely hard to explain the benefits of, for example, self-sovereign ownership, like mm-hmm. actually owning the song right. without diving into the rabbit hole that is the word blockchain right. and all of that. And even the word self-sovereign and digital ownership, like all of those are foreign concepts that need to be explained. Is there a way that we can represent that information like super intuitively? I'm not really sure. I, I posted about it on Twitter and the responses I got were um, pretty unconvincing. Mm-hmm. Um, most people were saying just, uh, just throw an icon on it, like put a lock on it and say like, this is locked or something. Right, right, um, right. And I feel like there must be a more intuitive way of just describing that this is a digital thing you own. This is just like how you do it normally, right? Like people have trophies on PlayStation right. and um, they have their karma on Reddit. Like those are all digital things that you own. It's just like that, except now you actually own it. Right. I don't know how to say that intuitively. <laughs> yeah. And and what are the benefits, right? I mean, this right. is this is the thing is what are the benefits? Because a, a lot of times people are, you know, I'm sure you've heard this many times. It's like, well, why do you need blockchain for that? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so why, why do you need blockchain for that? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what do you say when people say, well, what are the benefits? It's definitely a, a hard one, because if you ignore the technology 
that it's built upon. What we're doing is um, you have some digital thing and then you're sending it to other people or some other sort of logic around that. And you can build that with a normal computer today. Right. You can build all of the features that we're building uh, today much easier, faster, cheaper, and better using not blockchain technology. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. Which is sort of the thing about all blockchain technology. Right, right exactly. Like, yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> totally. Right. Like there there are definitely some things that only exist that because you have this uh, ability to do central um like uh central consensus around shared state. Right. Um stuff like a currency that is totally independent from any centralized uh actor's whims. Yeah. That, that couldn't be done on a centralized server. Right. The the core difference is, and this goes back to the word trustlessness, the, the key difference is like now you have less trust in a centralized entity. Trust, it turns out, I think is something that's very easy for people to give. I like to say that it's you can trade vast amounts of technical complexity for a tiny bit of, of trust. Huh. For yeah. example, like with the dollar, uh, we invented the dollar and indeed money millennia before Bitcoin. And people are totally cool with coins and dollars and paper notes and digital digital dollars backed by banks uh, because it works. And it worked uh, years ago right. uh, because all we had to do was trust them a little bit. Right. If we could not have trusted them, uh, we would have had to wait until 2018 or whenever <laughs> To be able to use Bitcoin, right? Um, and so you can see the, like that all over. Pretty much every project has this duality of like, yeah, you could do this with any other technology, but then you'd have to trust someone, and that's a hard sell. Like ultimately, to me, the the only thing I can end up saying basically is like, well, uh, you know, once you own the thing, like say you buy you buy one of my songs, like mm-hmm. I, I I no longer have any say over right. what you do with that. Um, right. Now, I may have, I probably will have some kind of license where... Totally, yeah. Maybe even you can use it for commercial purposes, but you have to... Um, royalties or, yeah. Th- yeah, there has to be some kind of royalty system. Some sort of structured, yeah. But but ultimately, like, you, in, in terms of what you do with it, like, you can resell it, and, and mm-hmm. I can't have any say over that. I think that's actually one of the, the things, I totally forgot to mention it. You have totally free secondary markets right. as a side effect of this shared protocol that no one right. controls. Right. I think that is, and that's obviously, yeah. It's, it's a big one. It's a- right. Definitely a big one. And everyone um, loves this when it comes to currency. Right. Loves to throw around the, the concept of markets and the concept of radical markets or highly efficient markets. Right. And now that you have these markets that are controlled by no one, you can coordinate uh, different actors who are only looking after their own self-benefit into some greater common good. Right. That's really interesting, and that gets into a bunch of different things. But it's also really interesting for digital ownership, right? Like right. when I explain this concept, I usually like to talk about video games. The digital things you own in video games today aren't—they're uh, not yours. Right. Um, and it's up to the game developer to decide. Uh, well, one. Uh, can you take your digital sword or whatever and turn it into U.S. dollars? And if so, uh, what are the mechanics for that? Uh, for example, a lot of games simply don't let you do that. Right. And, there's no, yeah, there's no way. There's right. no way to, to to turn that into anything actually. Uh, right. that can put food on the table or anything like that. Right. Exactly. And if you think about it, people are doing real work in games, and they're producing yeah. real value. 
it's it's kind of odd to think about. Games have real economies, and famously, uh, both Valve and Eve, uh, the people behind Eve Online, have hired traditional economists. Like virtual economies are actually one of the most exciting. Um, field of economics because you get to write the rules yourself, right? Um, like the and physical see them world, play out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it, it just has so many more variables and so many more possibilities. But right. I think there's still a lot more potential when you throw blockchain into the mix. Now you have this permissionless way of trading things between games, perhaps uh, between uh, items and other cryptocurrencies. And it's kind of a fundamental property of the system is you get this free secondary market. And maybe that's maybe that's the draw. And certainly for gaming, it feels like that might be enough. Users definitely want to take your, their items out without going through uh, like a sketchy secondary site where right. you have to like drop your items on the ground and then right. someone picks them up. Right. Like, yeah, that sounds super sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. People will always uh, do that depending on the risk profile. People really want to take their digital work and turn it into things that puts food on the table. Yeah. So I, I, see, there, I see this like inherent tension in mm-hmm. this idea. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I do think like when, when, when someone asks, what do I get, right? right. The, the easiest and best and maybe, maybe, maybe even only at this point, mm-hmm. if you want to talk about tangible right. Direct re- things, yeah. is this secondary market idea, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. really just boils down to you know in a reductivist kind of way right. like speculation ultimately totally totally and so so which um is definitely feels self-defeating brings sense. brings with it all of its own bullshit right right and on the other hand though you have something much more pure than that something of of like that's much less tangible um, and it's just this sort of joy of collecting things yep. um, that is, you know, that is older than money. Totally. And so um, those two things are very much at tension in this space because they exist, I think, in, in sort of equal measure. When I'm, when I'm thinking about what I'm doing with Song A Day, like, mm-hmm. I want people to be excited about collecting the songs right. because of the feeling that I get when I collect things or, right. you know, that, that feeling that you get. But, but, but also I, I recognize that part of getting people on board will yeah. have to be a certain amount of like, and you can resell them. Like you have yeah. to. No, absolutely. In terms of like speculation, I think it's kind of uh, impossible to get rid of in the short term. Yeah. But I think once blockchain becomes boring, then we'll start to see real human behavior take over. Right. Um, and not real human behavior, but human behavior without unnecessary speculative interests. How do you envision that happening? It's it's sort of hard for me to imagine at this it's, point. The space it's going to be that. years. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at the adoption curve of new technologies, um, you know, there's a gigantic bump and then a trough of sorrow and then a right. very slow climb into right. usability. Right. Um, and I think blockchain is either cresting or has just crested yeah. depends on how long you think this uh, downturn will last that hype cycle it'll be a few years before people stop caring about it and then it'll be a few more years when people start realizing that this has slowly invaded in their daily lives right in terms of collecting i that's something that is very much near and dear to my heart yeah i spent uh, 
like the last three years traveling around. And so the fact that I was moving frequently combined with the fact that my memory is just kind of terrible um, (laughs) means I really like collecting things um, to trigger those memories and remind me of what I was doing and where Mm. I was. But the the obvious thing is like, I can't carry that much stuff. I've got a backpack and a a roller bag. And, uh, you know, if you take a piece of art or like a thing, some sort of memento from everywhere you go, Soon enough, you won't have any room for clothes. Sure. And so for me, digital collecting is like a really compelling solution to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It ties into the whole minimalist vibe. Oh, for sure. Rejection of materialism and so on, while still giving you that raw sort of collecting feeling of, right. I own this. And more specifically, as much as we don't like to admit it, no one else does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, like, no, absolutely. That's part of collecting, right? right. It's like, it's my precious. It right. Is, yeah. There there may be many like it, but this one is mine. Yeah, right. Right now, I just take a bunch of pictures, and those are mm-hmm. good. But they don't they don't feel tangible. They, mm-hmm. they feel digital. Mm-hmm. Um, better are um, Polaroids. Uh, mm-hmm. They are small. They're tangible. They are like a really great capture of a moment, but you could do, you could mimic that feeling with digital collectibles. Like if obviously this is going to be explored and whatever I uh, postulate about right now is never going to happen. Right. Um, But imagine like the cafe or the bar in the place you're visiting has a digital collectible thing on their counter. And when you visit the bar, kind of just like checking in on Foursquare, you can tap your phone onto it and get the bar's uh, logo or something. Yeah. Um, or even, or even you, you buy, you buy a beer right. or whatever. And, and, and that transaction brings with it. Exactly. This yeah. digital collectible. That's always going to be yours. Totally. And it feels um, pretty surface level at first, but I think, I think there's a lot there because you can tie that into your experience and you can tie that into your, basically the story of how you were there and what you did there. It makes me think of two things. Like so so one thing one thing that it makes me think of is is um something Jason Bailey from from Art yeah. Home talks about which is you spend most of your day looking at screens anyway, yeah. right? And so if you want to collect things to enjoy where you spend your time, mm-hmm. it makes sense that they'd be, you know, in, in this day yeah. and age, in a lot of ways. And, and the other thing is that um it's really interesting what, what you're saying about collecting things to um as mementos uh, to remind you of places because um, that makes me think of songs, right? Like, like songs, absolutely songs bring you, bring you so much into an exact moment, an exact time, a specific summer, a specific feeling. And so if you can own that song and you know that, you know that you are the owner of this song that meant so much to you in the summer of 02 or whatever. Yes. It can, it can, that's so powerful. Yeah. I'm, it could, it could, oh, it can elicit that same. I have goosebumps right now. Like that frisson <laughs> you get when you hear a really great thing. Oh man. Right. That's, that's I it. love that. Cause I, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people do, they identify with that, you know, songs are contextual. They bring you back to that place. Yeah, totally. I definitely have a lot of those songs myself and, being able to actually capture that yeah. is really compelling. To me, it's it's insane to me. I'll I'll just say this. Like like this is this is what I'm working on. And I, I, I believe I believe pretty heavily that making individual pieces that already exist, the literally that song or even think about like that movie 
mm-hmm. um, that you took, you, you know, your girlfriend on the first date or whatever to go see. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. idea that if maybe I could own that, I could own the digital copy of that movie. Yep. Um, yep, yep. It just is. It's just is. It's a no brainer to me, and I don't. I, I honestly, I don't see anyone working on that, mm-hmm. and and that's that's what I, that's literally what I'm trying to do with Song a Day. And I just think it's it's a no brainer, and I think as we've been talking about, like I, we're all casting about for that thing that's gonna like ultimately make people excited. Crypto Kitties did it to a certain extent. It remains to be seen if it, if it has a long term viability. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's hard to imagine the road there. No one really knows where it's ending up. You were you were talking about how the increasing like digital nature of our actual lives um, yeah. means that like what we collect or what we experience should increasingly be digital as well. You can you can see that you can definitely see that trend today with uh, you know people love their game items and their digital yep. internet points and therefore they love their skins. Spotify, you know, like, like, like people have nobody, you know, it's, you find somebody that has that big book of CDs and you're like, Oh wow. What, what year is this? Like definitely with Spotify, people have a lot of pride over their curatorial skills. Oh, absolutely. And that's a huge part of fashion as well. Like just knowing what's in today is a curatorial mm-hmm. skill. Right. And if you pull that kind of digital nature, um, Maybe maybe too far into the future, um, you start getting into transhumanism and the kind of mind uploading and hmm. uh, merging of our physical selves with digital things. And I don't, I don't want to get too into that because <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. personally not, I haven't figured out how I feel about that. Sure, yeah. It lends itself to thinking that, yeah, all of our possessions should be digital as well. Yeah. And if we enter a digital realm where we don't have true ownership over our things... Uh, then we're at the mercy of whomever does. Yeah, um, right, absolutely. And it would be like a digital manifestation of a physical God. Oof. And that yeah. seems very dystopian. Yeah. Um, and so that it ends up, like if you if you extrapolate a little far into the future, it ends up being a necessity that we have self-sovereign digital ownership. Right. While not certainly useful <laughs> information, um, yeah. it definitely, if, if it's powerful on, on some sort of level. That's not necessarily the thing that you would lead with. No, but, certainly. <laughs> but but it, but it but it but I'm I totally agree with you. It, it in terms of thinking through, especially especially given how cl- how cl- clear now in hindsight it seems like a lot of these things weren't thought through mm-hmm. when when it came to like the sort of the social boom or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like people weren't thinking ahead to the sort of dystopian because now we're living in it. Right, right? we're living in the the. We're living in the dystopian future that they failed to imagine. Totally, one hundred percent. And so, and so, it does. Help. I think it's. I mean, it's so worthwhile to imagine those scenarios where, yeah, we're we're increasingly in these digital worlds where not owning the things actually does have extreme real. That kind of goes back to the the trust trade off. Right. Is it's totally cool to give away this trust, and we do this all the time until it's broken. Until it's broken. And now we realize how valuable that was. Right. Um, and that's why I think uh, kind of the collective consciousness uh, downfall of Facebook in the recent like yeah. months um, has been really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. People are very slowly um, and certainly not widespread, but we're, we're slowly coming around to the idea of, yeah, maybe we were on the wrong path. Right. Maybe giving one company or, you know, five companies or whatever. All uh, of effective, our. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that was bad. (laughs) And maybe even though this new technology is expensive and requires us to like 
be personally secure, like we need managed keys and stuff, like maybe that's worth it because of that trust trade-off. I guess the utopia for that is that we can get the trustlessness without giving up anything else. For now, that's that's pretty hard. You get you get to pick one or the other at this point. I find you talk to people who have been doing open source. I don't know what your background is exactly, but you talk mm. to people who have done open source for years. Um, the, the person that actually sort of was my initial guide in this world is Boris Mann, who mm-hmm. worked on Drupal. Yes, you know, yes, and, yes, yes. And so, and, and, you know, he, he points out it, it's just harder. It's just harder to, 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 to do this kind of thing when things are less centralized. So many people are working on it. You know, you have to think like eventually it's going to. Yeah. That is a really great leading indicator. I think is just the sheer amount of clever people in the space. Yeah. Who seem committed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They call it the brain drain uh, when they talk about people leaving, you know, existing jobs and going to work on a crypto startup. Right. The optimist in me very much believes that people are doing this because of the philosophical side of it. Um, and the kind of, they have their own vision of where this is going right. and they realize that the only way to make that happen is to start working on it today. Right. Is to do it um, themselves. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's a fantastic way of like, you know, predicting that sort of change is all of these smart people have given up, you know, stability and, um, well, maybe not stability if they got, uh, rich on Bitcoin's price rise, right. but, um, oh, people, but people are leaving, people are leaving right. re- regular, you know, they're taking jobs risks and taking risks. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's a great leading indicator because, um, humans are naturally risk averse and we like, uh, not stressing out about things. Um, but if you can convince someone to stress out about something in exchange for this future thing, like, yeah, totally. It seems like it might be a great idea. Yeah. I think that's only going to increase. And, and it seems like it has increased, like, even during the downtrend. Yeah, um, no, I agree. The media pressure has been off. Um, the the increase of smart people and people doing things has either been staying the same or going up. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's a really great um, kind of wholesome metric it's a good sign right um well i feel like we could we could talk for a lot longer but this seems like a good place to end i mean there's so, there are so many people um in the space and that's very encouraging um and this is our first episode of this podcast and i hope you en- enjoyed us talking at you so um matt where can people find you on the internet my twitter is at matt g condon um and I work on a project called Excellent, which is spelled XLNT. Um, and if you want to chat with kind of a bunch of people interested in digital things, uh, you can go to XLNT.chat on the internet and oh. uh, join our Slack channel. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, we have we have some cool stuff going on. Um, right. Yeah, definitely. I and we had talked about the licensing as well. Right. Yeah, very good. I will I will be there for that. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at songadayman with two N's. What um, a good username, by the way. Oh, thanks. Love yeah, songadayman. So clever. Yeah, it's the perfect. It's the perfect <laughs> amount of clever. My project, uh, you can see it sort of in progress at initialsongoffering.com. and we will be back, uh, hopefully not too long, with some more stuff about digitally owning things in in on the blockchain. On the blockchain. On the blockchain. All right. Blockchain. 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 <laughs> blockchain. Maybe we should do the whole episode that's just a same right. blockchain over and over and over. Blockchain? Blockchain. blockchain. Well, yeah. You know, blockchain. Yeah. 
If you really blockchain, then yeah, you might just huh? Blockchain. Blockchain. So, are you free on blockchain day, or is that? <laughs> oh no, sorry, I'm, I'm going to blockchain. Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, man. Okay. Yeah.